Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illingway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I am Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern at the Savannah Morning News. And I'm joined today by Mike Anthony, the sports editor at the Statesboro Herald and the Georgia Southern beat writer for the Herald in Statesboro. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be back. It was the bowl season last time we were here. Yeah, you're missing football already, right? Now we get to talk some recruiting. I know it's (laughs) our favorite topic to discuss. Yeah, I think think we're kind of of the same mindset. I mean, it's nice to know who the new guys are going to be, but... And, you know, it's going to be a big day for them. I congratulate them all. They've worked hard to get here. But before we start throwing a party for who gets ranked by some random site as the best class, I think it's always just important to remember that uh, you and me and most of our listeners have as many touchdowns as all these guys do right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. So we'll we'll touch on recruiting, as Mike just said. And we'll, we'll also hit on basketball. We'll actually start there in basketball as Georgia Southern fell to Georgia State up in Atlanta on Saturday. Uh, we'll discuss some of Tukey Brown's recent struggles. The general feeling around Mark Byington's club as they head into the to the stretch run of Sunbelt play. Then we'll update you guys on Ike Smith or hashtag IkeWatch and uh, talk about what Georgia Southern needs to do to improve in late game situations as far as hoops goes. Then we'll get into recruiting uh, in the middle of the episode. We'll touch on it lightly, as Mike said. We're not going to get too in-depth into it because there are just too many uncertainties. But but what we do know uh, we'll relay to you guys and, and what we think we'll relay to you guys as well. Finally, we'll close uh, today's show with kind of a preview of spring camp, kind of a mini preview of spring camp and some position battles uh, that Mike and I see as, as being at least worth noting this early on in the preseason. But we'll start with basketball, uh, and like we said, Georgia Southern fell to Georgia State 81-72 up in Atlanta on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Uh, Georgia Southern falls to 13-9, and 5-4 in the Sun Belt. They're fifth in the Sun Belt now. Um, only one game back from second place. So, Mike, uh, you know, I know you watched the game. I thought for the most part, you thought Georgia Southern had everything right where they wanted that, you know, in typical Georgia Southern fashion, they went through stretches where, where they looked awful. They went through stretches where they looked, you know, unbeatable. And then the game was tied at 69-69. Nice. Nice. Uh, at the under four media timeout. So so 3.52 left in the game, Mike, and the game's tied. 
Uh, and then from there, you know, the Eagles just seemed to fold. I, I think, you know, I don't know if it was something that Georgia State did, if it was kind of a snowball effect. Um, but but what we saw in the late game scenario for Georgia Southern in a close game, you know, was not positive. And, and, and it was tough to come out of that specific part of the game, at least with a positive mindset. But all in all, at the end of the day, what it was was a road loss to the preseason favorite to win the conference. So that's nothing to hang your hat, you know, nothing to be disappointed about. But I think it, it may be just the way it went down. Mike, what did you think of the game on Saturday? Yeah, I think you painted the picture pretty well. It's disappointing the way those last four minutes went. Honestly, it was disappointing the way the lot, a lot of the game went. The You look at the shooting numbers and Georgia Southern didn't have a great game. I think it's, you know, something that you can give them a little bit of credit for that on a day where they're in as hostile an environment as they're going to face all season, they're not shooting well, they're, you know, they've had their road struggles the last couple of years, they're still playing without Ike, they got in a little bit of foul trouble late, and they were able to hang in there, but, you know, you, you said that they just did not play well, there's really not um, much you can say about the everything that happened after the last media timeout. And I'm never one to question X's and O's. We aren't in the huddle. We aren't in the pregame meetings. We don't know, you know, what's going well or what's not going well according to the game plan. But what I will say is that for the last two, maybe even three years, you seem to get a Georgia Southern team that on any given night is going to give you 10 minutes of great basketball. And then those other 30, you know, you're just left hanging on. Are they going to implode? Are they going to hang on? Are they going to find a way to gut it out? Are they going to... There have been times where the last minute's been great and they've hit some big shots to win games, but this was not one of those, and I wouldn't have expected it to be against, as you said, you know, uh, one of the favorites to to win this conference to maybe go dancing again. That'd be a a tall order when you go from a tie game at the four-minute mark to down by 10 with a minute left. Right, and and Mike, you know, at the end of the day, it's if if there are, are mistakes being made or if there's a flaw that just pops up every now and then, uh, you know, that's one thing what you don't want. And, and this is true in any sport at any level, what you don't want is, is a recurring problem, you know, that kind of rears its ugly head at the same time in the same manner. And I, you know, I don't know that Georgia Southern's at that point yet, but mm-hmm. you know, at the under, after the under four timeout, you had basically four possessions, you know, and I'm not recalling all this, off the top of my head, obviously, I, I went back and watched the game because, you know, after the game, I watched after watching it live, I didn't have like a bad feeling about it. I didn't think Georgia Southern played bad or poorly or, or, or even really did anything wrong down the stretch at first glance. But when you look after that media timeout, when it's 69 all, Georgia Southern has four meaningful possessions before the game is out of hand. On the first possession is a Quan Jackson turnover in the lane. Then the second mm-hmm. possession is a Quan Jackson airballed three-pointer. Okay, both of these times, Georgia State scores after these possessions. Then Tukey Brown finally gets a shot on the third possession after Georgia Southern's down 75-70. to 70. And then Elijah McCadden on the fourth one misses a runner in the lane. Georgia State's next possession comes down. They miss a layup, and Jeff Thomas slams it home and what was an incredible play uh, on his part, but that made it 77 to 70. And Mike, that's a long winded way of saying this. If the game is tied with three and a half minutes to go, 
I cannot have Tukey Brown taking one out of every four shots. Uh, and in a game of this magnitude, I, I could not believe after the game when I saw that he attempted nine field goals in the game. Before that, the three games before that, he had attempted 15, 17, and 13, I believe. So, you know, for whatever reason, Tukey Brown did not take as many attempts. He was not as aggressive. That could be what Georgia State was doing. Um, it could be that, you know, Tukey Brown, one of the leading assist guys in the Sun Belt, w- wanted to get other guys involved. But it's becoming more and more clear, at least to me, Mike, and, and I'd like you to comment on this. It's becoming more and more clear to me that if Tukey Brown isn't going to score 20-plus, somebody else had better score 20-plus and that somebody is, is basically Quan Jackson. Without that and without Ike Smith, it's tough to see this team because they don't defend consistently and it's kind of a fool's errand to, to expect them to start all of a sudden defending consistently after they haven't been. But, mm-hmm. you know, as Tukey Brown and Quan Jackson go, so goes Georgia Southern. So Quan got up his shot attempts, you know, as he always does, but Tukey did not. And, you know, I was curious, you, you've seen Tukey Brown over the last four years and we've heard about him kind of changing his mode or at certain times of the game where he, he goes into Tukey mode. I just haven't seen it this year, and I don't know if it's because he's trying to get other people involved or if there's an underlying problem there. I'd be interested to hear your opinion. Yeah, I think it's happened in spurts this season, maybe not for entire games or even entire halves, but you know, he has had moments where he's, if not totally taken over the game, he has taken care of his team. And I think that early in the second half, uh, you know, while Georgia Southern was struggling to erase a, a halftime deficit of what I think was maybe seven or eight points, uh, six, seven points to Georgia State, you know, he was able to yeah. get most of his points in that in that stretch. I think that you're right in that he he's trying to be more of a facilitator. He's trying to, uh, you know, kick the ball to open teammates. I think the problem is that for the first time in his career at Georgia Southern, he doesn't have a great outside shooting team around him. When you look at uh, previous teammates that he's had, you know, whether it's a healthy Ike, uh, Ike Smith, uh, a Mike Hughes, a Jake Allsmiller, a lot of times, you know, he was still controlling the offense, but he's driving right into the heart of his own defense, which Georgia State almost exclusively plays, right. and they're collapsing on him. That's what the plan is. But instead of a, a Mike Hughes or a Jake Allsmiller, a healthy Ike Smith, he's got guys like Quan Jackson who can hit the shot. He's got guys like Calvin Wizard, who's doing as well as you can expect a true freshman to do, but those guys are a far cry from the seniors and juniors that he's been kicking it out to for the the last couple of years. So I think that you can say what you want for the entire season. You know, his assists have been up, his points have been down a little bit. Maybe there's something to look into there. But as far as Saturday's game goes, I think that what he's been trying to do this season to get some new guys into the rotation, uh, getting their shots up, getting his assists up, I think it just played right into what Georgia State wanted. They're a good zone defending team. Georgia Southern is not a great uh, uh, three-point shooting team. Georgia State is a good three-point shooting team. It's kind of reverse of how it's been the last few years where Georgia State wouldn't get out of that zone and Georgia Southern had a team that could shoot them, you know, shoot the lights out. You've seen it in Hanner a few times, and that's what they tried to do again, and it, it just wasn't there. It, it culminated in a lot of missed three-point attempts, and because Tukey was trying to give them those open looks from farther away from the basket, it also resulted in a lot fewer shot attempts for Tukey. You can argue that maybe he should have been more selfish, but 
it looked like that was the plan was for him to take the brunt of the defensive uh, pressure and just try to find an open guy and the, the rest of the team couldn't pick him up. And like, I guess, you know, that kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk about next with specifically Mark Byington. And I personally, I, I love Mark Byington. I like the way he goes about things, you know, in on the court. I like the way that he goes about things off the court, but you know, I think if if criticism isn't warranted, and I, I don't think it is for Mark Byington, but I think it's worthy of at least discussing, you know, Georgia Southern knew that Georgia State was going to be running a zone. We, we can agree on that, mm-hmm. right, Mike? Right, sure. That's so, what they've done almost exclusively when they played Georgia Southern. Right. So even when, it, even when it didn't fit into the best interest of stopping Georgia Southern, they probably played themselves out of a few games in Hanner because of that. But yeah, they've stuck to it. I think everybody knew what punches were going to be thrown, and Georgia State just landed more of them. Yeah, and imagine that, Ron Hunter being stubborn. I, c- I cannot imagine Georgia know, State's head coach. argumentative or – Yeah, or anything like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess, Mike, we can close out on this, but I, I, I think I'm okay with this, and I don't know that this is what Byington and Georgia Southern were thinking coming into Georgia State. If you know that they're going to play zone and you know that you're – going to either have to find a way to beat the zone on the inside, which just no one really has figured out a way to, to do that against that matchup zone of Georgia State. If you're going to be fine with settling for three-pointers, I'm good with that strategy. But the, I, I just if that's the strategy, I would just expect, a, a, I don't know, a little more sophistication on, on how you go about getting those those three-point looks. I think too often it was – the same base set over driving and over again. Kick out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the offense. So I, I get it. I just would, would hope, especially after that long TV timeout, you come out and you, you got a chance to draw something up and, and you end up with, you know, I guess Quan Jackson did have an open look, but it was a turnover in the lane. I, l- let me read Byington's quote on the last four minutes of the game, uh, Mike, and then we'll touch on Ike Smith and then jump into some football stuff. Here's Byington's quote uh, on the on the final four minutes. He said, quote, we came out of that timeout and we were passive. The shots became a little tougher and they made a tough one that gave them the lead. And we let some things compound and the game got away from us. That's the biggest thing we need to learn from this. We have to embrace being in that position and go out and execute and make plays to win the game because there are going to be a lot of games like, like this along the way. And for Byington to say that is, you know, he's saying kind of what we've all seen. It's coming time to, you know, either put up or shut up when it comes to Georgia Southern basketball. This team clearly has the talent to to not only, you know, be a top four seed in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, but to make a legitimate amount of noise in New Orleans, you know, once they get there. But as it stands now, Mike, kind of as we close this out, I think – a good way to, to kind of summarize this team. And if you're going to try to put them into some kind of a theme, it's, you can see it, it's close, but they're not really there. You know, they're not there yet. And they haven't really shown signs of eliminating the things that a month ago we said they should probably improve on if they want to advance through the Sunbelt conference tournament. I guess for me, Mike, I'll ask you this to close out. Do you see Georgia Southern fixing these, you know, flaws? I'll call them flaws, 
for lack of a better word. Do you see them fixing these flaws? Or if they don't fix them, are they good enough to win despite these flaws? You know, it's hard to say. You can easily make the argument that this is the most talented team that Georgia Southern's put on the floor in a long time. But you obviously can't say that it's the most experienced. They don't have the most time all on the same court together. Once again, injuries are starting to nag at them. You know, what I will say is that I agree with you. This team, we've seen it in spurts. They they put Texas State in a trash can when they were the, the hottest team in the conference. In spurts, this can be the best team in the league. But a spurt is a far cry from winning two, maybe three games in New Orleans. So I think that, uh, you know, you, you had a Mark Byington quote about uh, how the Georgia State game finished. I would look back to the quote after the loss against UT Arlington uh, a couple weeks ago in Statesboro where it wasn't quite a calling out of this team, but he said in the quote, he said, you know, we just weren't the tougher team tonight. We've got to respond. Right. And in 48 hours time, they went and did that against what had been the best team in the league so far in Texas eight and made short work of them. Granted it's at home, but they just need to find that. It can't be just one speech to the next, you know, you've got to find a way to motivate everybody for each game. It's got to be something that these guys find within themselves where that's the mentality they take into practice. That's the mentality they take into a, a game after a win and not just games after a loss. So I think that we can all see that the talent is there. I think the edge just needs to get there. And, you know, that's that's tough to put your finger on of when it gets there or when it doesn't. But I guess if I had to pick, I would rather have the team that's talented enough to do it that has to find the, the motivation or that switch rather than the team that's always ready to put up a fight but just doesn't have the guns to – to win the fight. No, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that, Mike. And I, that's kind of the thing that's so frustrating is that games like that Texas State game, you, you know, I watched half that game with, with my jaw dropped. I mean, Georgia Southern was lights out in that game. And it, I was at the Texas Arlington game and we talked to Byington after the game and, and he was visibly frustrated and dis, just disappointed with, with the effort that they gave. And so they'll need to find a way to keep the switch turned on Adam Van Bremer here, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com and host of two regular podcasts, The Commute and Difference Makers. Get your daily local news and opinion fix on The Commute. Available each weekday afternoon, The Commute offers insights into the day's hottest topics with commentary from those who know the subjects best. Our other regular production is the bi-weekly Difference Makers podcast, which is dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, in government, and in education. Episodes post every other Friday and like the commute are on demand through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at savannahnow.com. Make listening to the commute and difference makers a part of your regular routine today. You know, let's segue into Ike Smith to close out basketball and hashtag Ike Watch. Uh, Smith has been out since mid-December, Mike. You know, we know this since the Bruton Parker game in mid-December. He's begun practicing on his own on the side of Georgia Southern practices with, with trainers and going through some non-contact individual stuff. And, and we've heard that he's kind of expected, loosely expected to return in, in late February, you know, whatever t- time frame that is. Byington, I know, said last night on, on the coaches show with, with Danny Reed and the Georgia Southern Sports Network, he said – that if it was up to him, he would have put Ike in, in Atlanta where, where Ike Smith was for the first time since, since having back surgery in December. Ike Smith was with the team, and Byington said 
that he would have put him in if he was allowed to by the trainers. So, you know, they're itching for Ike Smith to get back. Mike, I want to just touch on one thing regarding Ike Smith and then we'll move on. What in, in your mind does the absence, or let me phrase it this way with Ike Smith, how much different is the Georgia Southern record right now? And are we talking about the same kind of flaws if Ike Smith's playing? Can can we attribute it to Ike Smith not being there or at least some of it? I think that the only thing that you could say really definitively is that Tukey would be having an easier time with Ike Smith out there because, you know, Quan Jackson, he's had a good year. But, you know, he's still just a sophomore. Calvin Wizard, he's proven that he can make some shots, but no one's going to devote one of their better defenders to keep an eye on him if Tukey's on the court and Ike isn't. I think that if Ike's there, um, you know, Tukey gets maybe one more half step on the dribble because somebody can't provide some help quick enough. Or, you know, you do, and then you take your chances, and, you know, you, you get to kick it out to that senior who's made the big shots before. Um, so in terms of how many more wins or what the record difference is, you know, 13-9 is a far cry from what I thought Georgia Southern could be this year. I thought they could easily be a lot better than that. With Ike, I'm not sure. Honestly, I think that, you know, if I had to put a number on it, maybe a game or two, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but you look at the standings right now, a game or two puts them either in a tie for second or a tie for first. So, you know, that's that's what you have. And really, you know, regardless of who's on the court or not on the court for Georgia Southern in this last month, I think the Sun Belt's proven that it's, you know, it, it's going to be a one big conference again, but there's six or seven teams that can easily play well enough for two or three days in New Orleans to to cut down the net to make the dance. So it would be great to have Mike Smith, uh, whatever percentage of them they can have for that tournament. Um, and it would help if they had him the last few games, but I think with or without him, and if he's there as healthy or not healthy as he would be, it, it's just going to be a dogfight there in New Orleans. And no team, no team is going to feel safe going into that, regardless of what their uh, injury situation is. Yeah, and it's just just to remind folks, it, it's so critical, you know, to get one of those top four seeds if you can, one of the top two seeds. Uh, right. Just because of the triple, you know, if you're the one or two seed, you, you got to win two games to win the Sun Belt Conference title. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Mike. That's, I think, that's uh, no, correct, that, right? yeah, you've got, yeah, it's it's weird. They've they've done it and redone it. Um, you know, the last couple of years there haven't been the the big buy situations. This year they're bringing it back. If you finish in the bottom four, you actually don't even make it to New Orleans outright. You've got to play a game on campus. And I like that. Uh, the losers like that. are done. I, I do too. It saves some money, and also it keeps everybody in. That the last few years there were teams that didn't even qualify for the tournament, and that's one cool thing about you know uh, basketball is for the most part uh, you can be as bad as you want to be or as uh, bad luck as you want to be, but everybody gets a chance at the end, and if you keep winning, you keep playing. Uh, but you'll have that, and then you'll have the teams at the the bottom that don't have to play at home, but that make it to New Orleans outright to, to get a buy all the way to the semifinals where it's just win on Saturday, win on Sunday, and then make your plans uh, for the dance next week. That's right. And then the Sunbelt Conference Tournament will start, I think it's March 13th, that week in New Orleans, Georgia Southern's final regular season home game, March 9th. Um, that's Saturday night in Statesboro against Georgia State. Uh, we've already touched on March 9th on the podcast before, big day in Statesboro. With the 11 a.m. spring game, uh, football game, 2.30 baseball game, and then the nightcap for 
Eagles and Panthers from Hanner. Uh, quickly, Georgia Southern. It's also win. the USAA reverse raffle. You need to make it to one of those. That's after the that's after the basketball game. It's a good time. Tell me more about the raffle, Mike. Um, it is. Uh, uh, oh man, how censored are we? Put him on I'm the spot. To think of who I'm like. Who might get in trouble? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, not censored in terms of using language. I'm more I'm more protecting people who I know will be there and the actions that they partake in there. It's basically just a nice little soiree for uh, dedicated fans of Georgia Southern and. You know, for a, a novel now you're price, bringing, now you're just bringing nonsense. You and somebody else get in. They have nice food. They have nice drinks, and then they have silent auction items that are always really nice. And then after they've plied you with enough liquid courage, they bring in the nice items that go on live auction, and then everybody gives up all their money. Money, money, money everywhere. You'll fit right yeah. in, Mike. You can afford to get in. You just can't afford to get any of the good stuff. I don't know. You'll have to speak for yourself, man. I don't know if I can afford <laughs> to get into that. Let's let's get into recruiting, no, Mike. You can, you can get in the door. All right, I'll take your word for it. Let's jump into uh, let's jump into recruiting now. Uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday evening. Uh, Georgia Southern will announce its 2019 recruiting class officially uh, with an 11 a.m. Wednesday signing signing day ceremony and press conference. Um, we just want to quickly touch on this because we know you guys follow recruiting uh, very closely. And, you know, sadly for a lot of the G5s, this is just the way it goes. The information is always going to be fluid and it's always going to be, um, you know, a matter of opinion at some level. And, you know, uh, again, unfortunately for the fans, the really the only way to go about um, confirming the player X is going to sign with school A uh, on signing day is to get the player himself to tell you that directly. Um, and even then, nothing's official till they sign on, on the dotted line. And for Georgia Southern, they signed 19 guys in the early signing period, which is something, you know, I think not just for Georgia Southern, but for G5 programs in general, this is going to start becoming the norm, uh, you know, rather than an outlier, I think you'll see 80% of G5 classes, if not more, filled after early signing day. And will, you know, eventually something is going to have to give with this current setup. But for now, this is what we have. We have tomorrow or Wednesday signing day, uh, which will complete the Georgia Southern signing class. Uh, the school expects all signings for. Wednesday, which will be four maximum, Lunsford said this week, uh, all signings should be done around 8.30 a.m. with the exception of Zach Sessa, the kicker out of Venice, Florida, who a lot of Georgia Southern fans have their eye on. He's a quality kicker. I think, you know, the thought process behind signing a kicker in this class, and Mike, you can speak on this if you think there's a different philosophy. I think you, you know that Tyler Bass is going to be gone after the 2019 season. So you don't want to have to sell all out on giving a scholarship to a kicker in the 2020 class because Bass is leaving. So if you can get a guy in now, use that scholarship, one of the four that they'll use on Wednesday on a kicker, you've got a guy now who's presumably a sophomore when he takes over for Tyler Bass as the kicker. And you also have an extra scholarly to play with for the 2020 class. So Kind of killed two birds with one stone. Sessa may 
may sign early, but it looks like he'll wait till mid afternoon. So he'll keep people guessing. If if I had to guess at this point, Mike, on Tuesday night, I would say Georgia Southern signs uh, three guys tomorrow, tomorrow morning. And we know that they're all on the offensive side of the ball or special teams. And then they'll save that fourth for either Sessa or, you know, a future scholarship for a future class. But Mike, as, as the class goes, let's just talk about what they already have, have gotten. So what they've already signed in the early signing period. Did you have any general impressions of the class as a whole? For me, what I was looking for is, Lunsford, DeBess, and Sloan first time through fully, you know, fully through together on this recruiting cycle for 365. Mm-hmm. I was looking for commonalities between the players. In, in other words, what kind of player are they going to be targeting? Because now this is their, their opportunity to go out and get guys that are built a certain way, guys that play a certain way. Or, or you know, even guys that that look a certain way, act a certain way, uh, study and go to school a certain way. For me, the main takeaway is they were desperate for more speed and more athleticism on the offensive side of the ball. That's not, you know, rocket science to want to be athletic on the offensive side of the football. But we know that Georgia Southern was not that uh, in, in their two years that they struggled. And for me, the more guys that you can find to kind of play the hybrid slot running back receiver spots, the better you are. Because as we've seen with all these wide receiver transfers uh, recently, Mike, and, and it started with uh, Devarius Bargner during the season, I guess, you know, the, that depth can disappear quickly. And now all of a sudden, that receiver and slot depth for Georgia Southern is not what it once was even 365 days ago. It, to yeah, make it simple uh, for you, Mike, just what, what were your takeaways from this class and, and what do you think Georgia Southern needs to be focusing on in recruiting as a whole? Sure. As far as the focus goes or position-wise, I think that Georgia Southern's taking a smart approach to it. If you look at who they're signing, I don't think that you can tie down too many guys other than specific positions like kicking or whatever. Uh, but uh, you can't tie them down too much to that's where they're going to play for Georgia Southern if and when they play. Right. I think that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they need more athleticism. Who doesn't want a fast athletic guy with the ball in his hands? Everybody wants to be faster and more athletic no matter who you have. But I, I, when I look at this, even last year a little bit, well, what they were able to get because they had a bigger late signing class last year once Lunsford was installed, as was most of his coaching staff. Um, I I think that they've taken the approach of just signing good guys, athletic guys, and guys who, like you said, do things the right way. You, you watch uh, Coach Lunsford on his Twitter. He's always blowing it up. He talks about the Georgia Southern man, and that's exactly what you were getting at. Guys that do things this way, whether they play this way, study this way, lift this way, run this way, that's what they're going for. And I really think that, that might be a better way to approach uh, at least uh, college coaching these guys are still growing. They're going to get bigger. They're going to get stronger. What you can't really change is the attitude and the mindset they bring in there. It's a lot harder to break someone and change their way of thinking than it is to change their way of practicing or change their way of lifting. Uh, So I think that what you'll see is just a bunch of guys who are either labeled as slot or receiver or running back. And 
just generally, you know, a lot of safeties have been signed the last couple of years. And you and I are both baseball guys. Uh, to For any of our listeners that are uh, baseball aficionados, you look at the draft and who is it? It's just random outfield or shortstop or pitcher. Those are guys that they just take the best of what they got, the strongest arm, the most baseball IQ, the, the most agility and raw talent. And sure, they'll let them play whatever position they say they want, but we'll put you up against everybody else on the roster. And if it turns out that, you know, you're a, you're a good uh, cornerback, but maybe you're a half step slow, but you're a little bit bigger, you can be a safety. And this new 3-4, they can turn you into a, a cover guy out of the linebacking position. So I think that they're taking a really smart approach about that and just aiming for athleticism, not worrying about putting tags or depth chart placements on guys as soon as they sign on that dotted line for signing day. And we'll get you in here. We'll get you looking at film. We'll make sure that you're the guy in college that we thought you were in high school. And then we'll figure out where you can best help everybody. Right. And I think, Mike, I see a lot of people online, and and this is to be expected. I certainly don't blame anyone for for wondering when they see Georgia Southern at at number – eight in the Sun Belt or some, or number seven in the Sun Belt in somebody's rankings for for this the twenty nineteen recruiting class. Understandably I, I get why you wouldn't never want to see your favorite team at number seven out of ten teams and you know in any rankings. But he, here's what I think people kind of miss a little bit or that at least they don't prioritize it the way that Georgia Southern, their coaches and other G five schools prioritize when you're putting together a class, I think the goal is to obviously at the base level, you want to develop depth, but the whole end goal is, is to become a team where let's take a position, um, you know, obviously outside of quarterback kicker, you know, things where you're not rotating guys in and out. You want to be able to to rotate in a second team, for instance, on the D line, uh, if the the opposing team has gone eight, nine, ten plays in a series. I think about uh, Coastal Carolina last year. You want to be able to rotate in a second team that's a quality Division One quality group of players, and you want to be able to do that throughout. What good teams do is they get these guys in. They're able to redshirt them, and now with this four-game rule, it, it it really allows you to play with some things and let guys play four games and still be redshirted. But you want to develop these guys, redshirt them, and then have depth. You know, last year at Louisiana Monroe, a game that I think a lot of Georgia Southern fans would like to forget, understandably so, I think one of the biggest things in that game was not having Sean Freeman at the back end, and you think – you know, Sean Freeman was a quality safety, a quality player for Georgia Southern, but he's certainly not a star-studded household name. So you would think, well, you could go without that. But that's what Georgia Southern didn't have was the experience depth at certain spots. And, and that has nothing to do with Lunsford, DeBess, or Sloan. But you're starting to see now that when you go to that second unit, and especially places like nose tackle, uh, I think um, – uh, Linebacker is going to be a deep spot. Running back is going to be deep. When you when you start developing second and third teams, Mike, you become a team similar to Appalachian State that can go four quarters with anybody you play against. Right, and I, I think that a lot of what you just said I agree with, and that also goes into 
you know, coaches looking for a specific kind of player, whether it's athletic talent or more importantly, you know, mental makeup is when you're in high school and let's face it, all these guys who are sending in their faxes tomorrow, whether they're going to Georgia Southern or App State or Alabama, you know, all the way down the board through the bottom of the G5, a lot of these guys are one of the best four or five players that's ever come through their high school. So they've been stars. They've been playing both ways a lot of times, but also in the high school game, it's a it's a shorter game uh, as far as the clock goes. It's, it's a little bit slower game. You don't have to focus on stopping as, uh, as many things or doing as many things because there just aren't as many ways that people can either beat you or respond to what you're doing to try to beat them. So I think that's one of the biggest keys, as you said, developing depth. It's good to have talent everywhere. It's also good to have everybody understand that it's not about what happens if you break a leg. It's about you can be the best guy uh, in the entire country, but you can't play 100 snaps like you play uh, in college football sometimes. And that's what you really need is, you know, being able to roll out a guy who can rush a passer three straight downs and then if they get a first down, you know, you've got to have someone who can be the next man up. It's not saying that it's anything against you, but you need a breather to be as effective as you can be. And we still have to have a defensive end or defensive tackle out there. And that goes for pretty much any position out there. Yeah. So just to wrap up on recruiting, I think what you should be looking out for if you're a Georgia Southern fan on Wednesday is not if there's a surprise flip or anything, although you probably should, you know, pay attention if that does happen. But what you should expect tomorrow, I would say, are are at least three and a maximum of four non-defensive signees. And I think I'm confident tight end uh, Bo Johnson out of uh, American Heritage in Florida. He's a three-star on 247 Sports and Rivals. I'm confident he's signing tomorrow with Georgia Southern. I'm I'm not confident about Sessa, but you know I think with the offers that he has, and Mike, I know you don't follow this as closely, but I, Sessa has offers. The kicker has offers from Houston, Baylor, Central Florida, South Florida. Uh, you know, as far as the the bigger schools go, then then offers like Florida Atlantic and uh, Miami of Ohio, I believe, as well. So. He's got plenty of options, and I think that if Georgia Southern gets Zach Sessa to sign tomorrow, it'll be a bigger deal than probably a two-star kicker should be. But um, that, to me, is the one kind of piece of drama uh, on Wednesday and signing day. And, Mike, unless you want to hit on anything else in recruiting, we'll move on. Uh, The only thing I would say uh, for everybody that – you know, you mentioned it. I don't follow recruiting quite as much as you do and a lot less. The, the one final thing I would mention, especially since you said that, you know, uh, Georgia Southern's looking at offensive players coming in uh, uh, to round out their class, is people should also consider when they look at stars or look at the difference between whether you're an 81 or an 82, not only is that just fundamentally dumb, I think, to, uh, you know, you can't look out on the field and say that guy's obviously an 81 versus an 81.5. But on top of that, yeah, Georgia Southern, everybody true. takes pride in the, the fact that they run, you know, a triple option offense. It's very unorthodox. It utilizes uh, some things that aren't utilized uh, everywhere. Are you going to tell me that any five-star offensive lineman has ever gone to an option offense? No, and it's not because, you know, they can go to bigger and better places. 
it's because you're looking for a totally different uh, build of a guy. There, you know, you don't want a six eight, right. three hundred and fifty pound lockdown left tackle on your triple option team. But that's my point: is what are the metrics that these stars are given out by? You don't, you aren't a, a three star triple option guy versus a four star pro uh, pro offense guy. You get your one rating, and that's it. And I think that you can just look, uh, if you want to take it to an even bigger stage on the P5, Georgia Tech, I know they weren't world beaters, but in some of their best years, they had classes that were ranked 80th and 90th in the country because their offensive linemen were two stars and three stars. And the guys who were running the ball, they weren't 200-pound running backs who could carry it 40 times a game, but they didn't have to worry about breaking tackles because of the style of offense. And they were being pitched the ball with open field in front of them. And mm-hmm. they just happened to have the one tool that you need in that situation was they could run three forties. So for everyone that counts stars and counts ratings and all that, all I can say is exactly what I said at the beginning of the podcast, which was all of us have scored the same number of touchdowns. We can have a lot better discussion about this recruiting class in two years. <laughs> Mikey, I wonder how many stars you would be given. I see you as kind of a team player, first guy in, last one to leave, but you'd probably be given some some stars, I think. Um, I, I can tell you a quick story. When I when I first went out uh, for football, like peewee ball, they made me quarterback, and they pretty much made it very apparent on like day two that I was quarterback not because I was great at football, but because I had a pretty good memory and they figured I could remember all the plays that they called. And then uh, for the passes, you know, you've got your passing tree. You call out your numbers for the different routes that you run. And a lot of times, you know, the, the, the go route, it's it's a nine. In our system, it was the zero route. And I wondered why, because I'm inquisitive like that. And my coach said, because that's the amount of times that I'm going to ask you to throw that one. <laughs> uh, a smart coach, probably. Yep, yep. Right, a let's, game manager. A game, a game manager. A game manager. Another coach on the field, though, probably, right? That, that's, that's, well, yeah, another quick story. My first scrimmage game, I, I ran in a couple plays. I was a backup quarterback, and then uh, I just called a timeout out of nowhere. Coach comes in. He's like, why, why, why'd you call a timeout? And I'm like, Coach, I forgot what play I called. And he's like, well, don't do that anymore, but good heads up calling the timeout there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bold strategy, Mikey Memory. That's a bold strategy, calling a play and forgetting it. Yep. <laughs> Anything else, Mike, before we close out? Uh, no, no. We've covered how bad I was at Tiwi football. Um, I think uh, the running backs are going to be just fine, although it might look a little different. And the defensive lines is as good as any in the Sun Belt and probably a few other conferences. I'm with you on all that stuff, Mike. You want to let everyone know how, how to follow you and, and how to read? Uh, yeah, writing for the Statesboro Herald. You can check us out online at statesboroherald.com. Uh, we put up articles, videos, and you can catch me on Twitter at Harold GS Sports. All right. And as always, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, we could not be more appreciative of your feedback, positive or negative. Let us know things you want us to talk about, things you want us to stop talking about. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jadon Sports. Uh, visit us at Savannah Morning or at the Savannah Morning News Um online savannahnow.com slash sports Uh, we'll have all the recruiting news you guys need all the spring practice uh coverage keeping up with basketball as well and then baseball just around the corner uh which i know mike and i are both excited about so plenty of stuff to to uh keep an eye on with the eagles 
moving forward. And as always, make sure you rate and subscribe this podcast. We'll be back with you guys uh, on February 20th, and we will preview the spring game. We'll update you guys on spring practices and hopefully no spring injuries. Update you on iQuatch and the rest of the basketball team and their news. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern.